Just a couple of quick um, announcements here. Um, again, don't forget this Thursday on the 21st, we do have our outreach. And so I want to encourage everyone to come out Thursday at 630 uh, as we go out and knock on doors, invite people to church. So don't forget about that. Um, and then also on the 30th, on the 30th, we're having a work day uh, here at the church uh, on the 30th. Um, and so we'll probably start around 9 o'clock or so in the morning, uh, just trying to get um, the, the building and the facilities, everything really clean for uh, our grand opening on Sunday. Uh, and then, of course, getting some things set up outside for that as well. And so if you're able to come, please come out. There'll be, uh, there'll be plenty of stuff to do, whether it's inside cleaning or outside setting up and things. So um, come out and help us that day. Uh, that's that Saturday the 30th. Um, we'll start at 9 o'clock. And uh, so come out and help us with that. And then, of course, our grand opening on uh, the first there at 1030 uh, is the service. 930 will be the ribbon cutting. Um, and just really looking forward to a great day the first so be praying about that. Pray that God would really uh, bless that day. Um, and then also on the 8th, we'll be having a baptism, another baptism service. Uh, so we praise the Lord for that. So uh, if you know somebody who's needing to be baptized, please make sure um, uh, have them contact me. You can register for that online uh, for the baptism on the 8th there. All right. Um, anybody have any prayer requests we need to make mention of this morning? Any prayer requests we need to make mention of today? Ms. Donna? Uh, okay, and you said her name was? Jenna. Jenna? All right, so pray for Ms. Donna's great niece who was in the car accident. Right, Ms. Don? Amen. Praise the Lord. That's great. Last week, Ms. Don was asking prayer for her uh, grandmother, Marilyn, and uh, so praise the Lord for that. All right, Brother Corey. Pray for Corey's grandmother. She fell and broke her arm. All right. Ms. Leah? Yep. Pray for the Brookshires and also the Stoners. Jeff? Amen. Okay, praise the Lord. Amen. So last week, uh, Brother Jeff was asking prayer for his uncle who was going to be having uh, bypass surgery, and he said everything went well with that. So praise the Lord for that. And uh, I see Brother Dennis here today. Uh, last week, he wasn't feeling so well, and so 
Miss Patty was asking prayer for you, so it's great to see you back today. So answered prayer there. Um, so that's great. Amen. Any other prayer requests this morning? Miss Marilyn? Pray for Maria Gibbs. She's due this Wednesday. And then I believe also Rachel Stensis is going to be having the baby on Friday. Is that right? Does anybody know? I think it's Friday. Friday, yes. Friday. All right. So be in prayer for both of those ladies and the babies this week. All right. Any others? Any other prayer requests? All right. Amen. Um, very good. Well, I hope you'll be praying for those this week. And, of course, pray for our grand opening as well. The Lord will just bless that also. All right. Um, let's go ahead and go to John chapter 6 again. John chapter 6. We were kind of looking at this um, last week. Didn't really get it, wasn't able to finish it, so I want to go through it again just a little bit this morning and hopefully try to finish this up. And then um, if, you have any, if anybody has any questions about this, right? So in John chapter 6, uh, verse number 53, uh, then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna, and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. So we're talking about, we were talking about this last week, how... Um, this idea of was Jesus being literal when he says you are to eat his flesh and drink his blood? Um, obviously, I think we understand that Jesus is not being literal, right? Uh, again, the Catholic Church, some other religions, they will try to say that this is literal. Um, and so, in order, so what is, how is one way that we know that this cannot be literal? Somebody tell me. I mean, just. Common sense. How is one way that we know this cannot be literal? Jeff? Okay, that's true, yeah. Um, unless you're a cannibal, right? Unless you're in a cannibal, cannibal culture, you know, nobody eats people's flesh and drinks their blood, right? Um, okay, that's, that's, that's pretty good, right? That's pretty good. There's, there's not enough of him to go around, right? Okay, small bites. Yes, that's why the that's why that's why we use the little tiny wafers, right? No, I'm just kidding, right, brother Corey? <laughs> just sorry, go ahead. Right, there, there's there's one that's just very. I mean, it's just it's got to be so obvious, right? I mean, brother Rob. Right. 
Well, but there's, I mean, think about this. There's got to be something so obvious. He's not here, right? He's not here. So there's, he's not physically here. So how are we supposed to be able to literally eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, right? He's not literally here. So again, what happens is those that try to, that want to try to take this passage and make it literal, they have to come up with something right, to teach their ideas. So what they come up with is what they call, and we were talking a little bit about this last week, a really big word here, right, the doctrine of transubstantiation, right, transubstantiation, okay, which means that the wafer, the bread, whatever you want to call it, when they take that piece of bread and put it in their mouth, magic happens literally that's what it magic happens and that piece of bread then changes to the literal body of Jesus Christ and when they drink the juice again magic happens again and it changes literally to the blood of Jesus Christ okay well again if we're going to take it literal right he doesn't say it's if we're taking it literal right he doesn't say that take this bread that's going to change into my body. Take this juice that's going to change into my blood. No. We're going to take a little. So this is why even though I think a a common I was going to use the word intelligent but I don't even think I'm going to use the word intelligent. (laughs) Just a, a common anybody can understand when Jesus says take of my flesh and drink of my blood, that he's, he's giving a figurative statement here, right? It is a picture, okay? And that's why, again, last week as we went through and looked at the whole passage here, the, the whole purpose, the whole premise behind what Jesus is saying is they were following him because the miracle of the bread that he did. And then when Jesus says, you know, look, I am the bread of life, they said, no, 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 wait a second. Our fathers had manna from heaven, Right? So again, the whole premise is thinking about physical food. And Jesus is trying to help them understand that it's not about the physical food, it's spiritual. He said, I am the bread of life, right? You need to believe on me. And that's why numerous times throughout here, what does he say? Believe on me, believe on me, right? But they could not grasp the spiritual aspect of it. They kept thinking physical. So Jesus is trying to show them, look, just as you eat bread, you physically have to take it in in order for it to do any good. A loaf of bread, if you bake bread, how many ladies bake bread? If you ever need a taste tester after you bake a loaf of bread, I would be happy. I mean, you know, it would not hurt my feelings at all to, to taste any bread that you make, you know, so I'm just putting it out there for you, okay? Um, but man, when you break, bake that bread, I mean, it smells good, and that, that aroma just fills the house, right? I mean, you just walk in the door, you're like, wow, that's amazing, right? And man, you know, you, you know all the wonderful things you can put on it, you know, you can put a big slab of butter and honey or apple butter or jelly or you know, whatever, now you guys wishing you had breakfast this morning, right? Um, I mean, just all the things you, but here's the thing, that loaf of bread sitting on the counter 
does no good for your body until you actually take it in. Doesn't do any good, right? And the same thing, this is what Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life, right? But it spiritually does no good until we take it in, until we take him in, the bread of life, okay? And so Jesus is trying to help them understand this is a spiritual thing, okay? It's spiritual, and that's why even Jesus, think about what Jesus says. When Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, communion, whatever you want to call it, what does Jesus say? Look, look with me. Look, look back in, um, I mean, basically any of the, the passages that, t- that give the, the Lord's Supper, if you go back to, um, let's see, is it Luke chapter... Um, Luke chapter 22, right? Luke chapter 22, verse number 19. Verse number, and Luke 22, 19. And he took the bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body which is given for you, right? So again, he took bread. He took bread. Bread. Physical bread. Break it said, this is my body. Was that bread his physical body? No, he says he took bread. He did not break off a piece of his body. He took bread and said, this is my body. He's giving them an example, right? Just as his body was going to be broken, right? This is the example. This bread is broken, okay? This, and, and then, again, look what he says, right? Look what he says at the end of verse number 20, uh, verse number 19. This do in what? Remembrance of me. Now, if it literally becomes his flesh and his blood, then it's not being done in remembrance. It's literally him, right? Something that is done in remembrance means that it's not there. It's not physically there, okay? You're, you're doing it remembering what took place, okay? And so even, even in what Jesus says, it's, it's very clear nowhere is Jesus saying that this bread literally becomes my body and this juice becomes my blood. And again, think about what he says in verse number 20. Likewise, also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is shed for you, right? Again, He's taking the cup that has the juice, okay? So he has physical bread, physical juice. He's saying, these are examples. The bread is the example of my body. The juice, the example of my blood. He did not say, these become my body and my blood. Oh, but, but what about John where he says, that, you know, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Think about what he's trying to help them understand. Again, context, 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 context is so important here. Okay? He's trying to help them understand the difference between the physical bread and spiritual bread. Physical bread does nothing for them. 
That's why he said, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and what? Died. They died. Even though that physical bread allowed them to live a few years, they still died physically. This spiritual bread, when you take it, when you receive it, gives life spiritually so that you will never die. Right? So we've got, to, we've got to fully grasp the context of what Jesus is speaking about here. Right, And that's why I've told you, no matter what people say, whenever they say, well, this verse says, always, 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 always do what? Look at the context. Look at the context. Look at the context. Okay, Because nine times out of ten, the context is going to explain itself. It's going to explain itself. Right? When you go back and you read John chapter 6, it's, it explains itself. The whole, the whole lesson that Jesus is giving here, right? he's explaining this. It does not, the, the, that bread, that juice, that grape juice does not become the body and blood of Jesus Christ. It is a picture. That's why even Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, we are to do this as oft as ye eat this cup, or as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. He's not dying every time. Now, again, that's what these religions say. Remember I read that to you last week, right? Um, this is the... Uh, let's see, this was from Pope Pius IV, right? Um, I profess that in the Mass is offered to God a true, proper, and proprietary sacrifice that is a sacrifice which satisfies the justice of God and so offsets the penalty for sin for the living and the dead. That in the most holy sacrament of the Eucharist, there is truly, really, and substantially the body and blood together with the soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? So he's saying it literally changes. It becomes the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. No, it doesn't. It does not, right? And think about what he said here as well, that in the Mass, or again, that's what they call Mass, many people call it the Lord's Supper or Communion, is offered to God a true, proper, and propitiary sacrifice. So they're saying every time that someone takes the Lord's Supper, every time that Communion or Mass is being done, guess what is happening? Jesus Christ is being sacrificed every single time. Every time he's being sacrificed. That's what they say. That's what they believe, that Jesus is being sacrificed every time. That goes against everything in Scripture. Everything. I mean, everything that they teach about this goes against everything in Scripture. That one, that the body or the bread and the juice become the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ, that goes against everything in Scripture. That through Taking it, it brings salvation. That goes against everything in Scripture, right? That Jesus is offered every time that this is taken, that goes against everything in Scripture. And yet, this is one of the, if we would say, this is probably one of the largest religions in the world that teach these things. And everything they teach about is it goes contrary to Scripture. Just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean it's right, right? Right? Again, think about this. Christ's sacrifice on Calvary was complete. Complete, right? 
Um, go with me to the book of Hebrews. And I know the guys on Wednesday night were, were going through our series in Hebrews. But just go to the book of Hebrews. Again, remember, who was Hebrews written to? To the Hebrews. Isn't that amazing, Brother Dennis? I'm telling you, right? You had to have a doctorate in theology with a PhD on the side to be able to understand that one, right? That Hebrews was written to Hebrews, right? So here we have the book of Hebrews being written to the Hebrews, the Jews, right? And one of the reasons why this book is so important is because of Judaism, which tries to say, right, if you're not under the law, if you're not following the law and the sacrifices and all these things, right? And so what does he say countless times throughout the book of Hebrews? Look in Hebrews chapter 7, verse number 9. Uh, nope, that's not right. Um, hold on, let me find out where I'm at here. Um, look at verse 23, excuse me. Actually, you can go back to verse number 19. It says, for the law made nothing perfect, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty clear. The law makes nothing perfect. But in verse number 23, and they truly were many priests. So he's talking about the priests, how they would offer sacrifices because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continued ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that came unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. So he's talking about Jesus Christ. He died, was buried, rose again, and is now interceding for those who are, who are in him, right? That's Jesus Christ. Notice again, for such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did, what's that next word? This he did what? Once when he offered up himself. He says, Jesus Christ offered himself as a sacrifice for sin one time. One time, period. He's never going to offer himself as a sacrifice for sin again. This is why this whole idea, not only of this you know, transubstantiation, you know, sacrificing every time Jesus is, you know, you take the Lord's Supper, or whatever, you know, Jesus is being sacrificed again. But even the whole idea of losing salvation and getting saved again, losing salvation, getting saved again, it's, it's not possible. If you can lose your salvation, that means Jesus is going to have to die again. If you can lose your salvation, then that means that Jesus did not die for that sin that caused you to lose your salvation on the cross. Because all your sins were not forgiven. There is a sin that caused you to lose your salvation. So that means, therefore, in order for you to be saved now, after you have lost your salvation, Jesus is going to have to come and die again for that sin so that you can be saved again. Well, that's not going to happen because Jesus said he died once for all. Once, he says, right? For this he did once when he offered up himself. You see, this, this whole idea of you can lose your salvation, get saved again. Lose your salvation, get saved again. Lose your salvation, get saved again. That is heresy. 
That is false doctrine. Because you are saying that Jesus Christ is going to have to come and die again. Well, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you can lose your salvation. Then what you're saying then is Jesus did not die for every sin when he died that once. Because if he died for every sin and he forgave all your sin except for that one that caused you to lose your salvation, we've got a big problem. He died once for all, one time. Look in chapter 9. Chapter 9. Verse number 12. Neither by the blood of bulls and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in, what's that next word? Once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. One time. Jesus offered himself a sacrifice. One time, Jesus entered into the holy place. One time, he obtained eternal redemption. Once. Not every day. Again, he's showing the difference. In the, with the Jews, every day they had to offer sacrifices. Every year, the high priest had to offer a sacrifice for the people. They did this day after day after day, year after year. Jesus says, not me, once, once. This is why he's, he's showing through the, through the book of Hebrews here that Jesus is so much better than those sacrifices. Jesus is so much better than the priesthood that they had there, right? I mean, all throughout here, look in verse number, uh, look in verse number 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in heaven should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So he's saying the pattern that we see here on the earth is a picture of what takes place in heaven. The sacrifices that, were, that we see on the earth is a picture of something spiritual. And he says just like the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin, Right? That, that's physical. It's, it's, it's not something that is spiritual. For Christ, verse number 24, for Christ is not entered in the holy place made with hands which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should offer himself, what's that next word? Often. He said he will not offer himself often. He will not offer himself more than once as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. He said, if Jesus Christ has to sacrifice himself more than once, then he's been doing this for all of eternity. He said, since the foundation of the world, he's been doing this, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He says again, one time, and that is it appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was, what's the next word? Once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. All throughout here he says it was one time, one time, one time, one time. And to say that the, 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 bod, the bread and the juice somehow 
magically change into his physical body and blood is to say that he is being sacrificed over and over and over and over again. Jesus says, wrong, that will not happen. To say that you can lose your salvation and get saved again and lose your salvation and get saved again and lose your salvation and get saved again, wrong. He said once, one time. His sacrifice is once forever, once. I mean, again, all throughout here. Look in chapter 10, chapter 10, verse number 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. What are those next three words? Once for all. Once for all. Never is he going to offer himself a sacrifice again. Once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. The sacrifices they made could not take away sins. It was simply a picture of the spiritual. But this man, after he offered, what are those next two words? One sacrifice. For sins, what are those next two words? Forever sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by, what is that next word? One offering. He hath perfected, what are those next two words? Forever them that are sanctified. You say, Pastor, are you saying that you believe when a person gets saved and they truly put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ that they can never lose their salvation? No, I'm not. God did. God did. God said we are sanctified once forever. Once for all. And if that means I can lose my salvation, then God lied. I'm not going to call God a liar. You say, Pastor, does that mean you've, you've lived perfect your entire life since you got saved? Nope. I have not. Then how do you know that you're still saved? Because he paid for my sin on the cross. Every single one of them. Every one. They're, they're all paid for. Because if I can sin and lose my salvation, then, friend, there is no way that I can be resaved. There is no resalvation. There is no getting saved again. If you believe that you can lose your salvation, then you are damned for eternity because there is no way to get saved again. It's not possible. Look, Corey? Yeah, I grew up in the Church of Christ and a lot of Pentecostal family. The one that always stuck out for me was the Ephesians 1 13, where she basically kind of explains our salvation. In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you also, after that, you believed, mm -hmm. you were sealed with that Holy Spirit. Right. Mm hmm. It's not our power that keeps us saved. We're never going to be able to do that. Right. Right, absolutely. Right. Yeah. We can't offer salvation. We can't keep salvation. He offers it. He keeps us. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we're we're all going to make mistakes. Even after salvation, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to sin. There's no, there is no perfection. Okay. Now that you're saved, you're never going to sin. Nowhere does the Bible say that. Never does. I mean, how many times did Jesus have to rebuke Peter? Quite a few, right? I mean, even Jesus tells tells Peter, Satan hath desired to have you. Satan is after you, man. Peter denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times. I believe that's a sin. Peter didn't lose his salvation. He didn't lose it, right? It's not about us. It's about him and what he has done, right? Um, And so as we go through, I mean, all throughout Hebrews, he talks about this, right? Um, Look in, uh, just kind of trying to finish this up this morning. Look in uh, Acts chapter 15. Right? Don't, don't steal my thunder here. I'm getting back to John chapter 6 in a minute. Um, go back to John chapter, or Acts chapter 15, right? So in Acts chapter 15, you have the believers up in Antioch. The Jewish believers came up, and they said, it's great that you believe in Jesus, but you've still got to follow the law, right? And so there's, there's this great division now in the church because some are saying you've got to follow the law. Others are saying, no, it's simply by grace through faith alone. And so now there's this discord, there's division. So they send Paul and Barnabas back to Jerusalem to talk to the apostles, right, that are there. Um, so they go. Um, and again, even, uh, even Peter very clearly shows how, what salvation is. Verse number eight, and God, which knoweth the hearts, Bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did to us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by what? Faith. Not by works, not by baptism, not by church membership, not by keeping the commandments, by faith, right? So again, he says, Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Okay? He said, Look, we couldn't, we couldn't follow it. Why are we expecting them to be able to follow it? It didn't save us. Why do we think it's somehow going to save them now? No, he said, this is not right, okay? So then they, they talk about this, and then when you go down to, um, uh, look in verse number 19. He says, wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which are from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from, from blood. So he said, these are the only things that we would encourage the Gentiles to do, right? 
We're telling them these are the things. We're not saying you need to be under the law, but he says these are the things that we're encouraging. Pollution of idols, stay away from idolatry. From fornication, stay away from sexual sins. From things strangled, this is the, the way of, and in their day, the way that they would kill their, their animals for slaughter and things like this. And from blood, right? Now, please understand, when it says from blood, he's not saying you cannot get a transfusion, Right? I know there are some religions that say, oh, Christians should not get a transfusion. Well, first of all, they're not Christians. They're not Christians. They can say they're Christians all they want. They're not Christians. Okay? Um, these Jehovah Witnesses that say, well, hey, you, you can't get a transfusion. You can't have all these things. They are not Christians. They do not believe the Word of God. They do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He gave His life on the cross for their sins. I've if I'm not mistaken, that's what it takes to be a Christian, right? Then they are not Christians. I don't care what they say. They're not Christians, right? When he says from blood, he's talking about eating, eating blood, right? Again, you can go back. There's, there's a lot of things here. So one of the things that the apostles even told the early church was don't eat blood. Well, if this is turning into the literal blood of Jesus Christ, we've got a big problem here. Scripture is now contradicting itself because G the apostle says, don't eat blood. Jesus says, go ahead, eat my, drink my blood. Apostles, Jesus. Apostles, Jesus. We've got a contradiction here. No, we don't. There's no contradiction because the juice does not turn into the blood of Jesus Christ. It doesn't. It is a picture of it, right? Um, again, go back to John chapter 6. We've got just a few minutes left here. Um, because not only like Brother Dennis said, doth this offend you, right? He says in verse number 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at him, he said, doth this offend you? So, again, even the disciples, they're, they're, they're thinking physical. They're, they're having a hard time understanding this, okay? So what does Jesus do? He explains it very clearly, right? He shows them exactly what he's saying. Verse number um, 62, what and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend where he was before. Here it is, verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. Flesh profits nothing. That bread Juice, it doesn't do anything for you, right? The Spirit quickeneth. The Spirit is what gives life. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. That's what he's saying. The words that I'm speaking unto you. You're, you're taking things literal. You're, you're thinking about literal piece of bread, literal blood. He says it's spiritual. The, the, the physical does absolutely nothing it's the spirit that quickens. It's the spirit that brings life. And this is why he says, the words that I speak unto you, they are life. They are spirit. They are life. Again, this is what he's referring back to um, when he talks about that his body is um, uh, to take his body, to take his, uh, to take his blood. It is, it is spiritual. He's speaking of his words. He, he's saying... the. Nowhere ever does Jesus break off pieces of his flesh to give people to eat. But is he the bread of life? Yes. 
Spiritually, he is, right? And that's why even, even through uh, the Lord's Supper and things like this, again, it is supposed to be the picture of Jesus Christ. It's a picture. We're doing it in remembrance of him, right? Why do we use unleavened bread? Why do we use unleavened bread? Because yeast, leaven, represents sin. It's a picture of sin. And so what does he say? Even the, the bread that is used, it is unleavened bread. Why? Because the picture is to be of the body of Jesus Christ. His sinless body. There's no yeast in it. There's no leaven in it. Right? Again, this was during the Passover when there couldn't be yeast anywhere in the house. It wasn't that they just couldn't bake with it. They couldn't, they couldn't have yeast in the house anywhere. Okay? The juice Juice, grape juice. Notice in both in Luke and in Matthew and all these other places, Jesus never says he gave them wine. He says he took the fruit of the vine. He gave them the cup, right? Never says wine. Why? Because it was not wine. It was juice. It was simply grape juice. Why? What is, the, what is grape juice the picture of? The blood. If it is wine and it has yeast in it, then what you're saying is the, the blood of Jesus Christ was sinful. It was sinful. Yeah, again, this is where a lot of times we'd be like, well, yeah, unleavened bread, unleavened bread, but then we use wine. No, no we don't use wine. Just like we don't use leaven, yeast, in the bread, there is no leaven, yeast, in the juice. It is straight grape juice. Why? Because it's a picture of the blood of Jesus Christ without sin. Just like the body is pictured in the bread, unleavened bread, without sin. Now, there, there's, and that's why I say even with this, this whole idea of the Lord's Supper and things like this, I mean, there are so many false doctrines that are being taught by churches through this issue. And that's why we have to go back to the Word of God. What does the Bible say about this? The purpose of the Lord's Supper was not to bring salvation. It's not to forgive sins. It is done in remembrance. We are doing it to remember what Jesus Christ did. Same thing, baptism. Baptism doesn't wash away sin. Baptism doesn't do anything spiritually for us. What is it? It is a picture of what Jesus Christ did. His death, his burial, his resurrection. In the Lord's Supper, what do we find? His body being broken and his blood being shed. His sinless body and his sinless blood. Unleavened bread and grape juice. No yeast in it, right? It's not wine, not alcoholic, right? It is straight grape juice. Because again, to use, we would not go to Walmart and just buy a loaf of bread and use it in the Lord's Supper. We wouldn't do that because of the picture that it's showing. It's showing the body of Jesus Christ then as sinful, the same thing. We don't use wine because it shows the body of Jesus Christ being sinful. Okay? The same thing. It's not turning literally into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. No. It is a picture. These are pictures. They're spiritual things. Okay? And so we've got, again, that's what I'm saying. If you go back and you read all of John chapter 6 there, the whole passage, it, you understand they were, they were thinking physical. Jesus is trying to help them see something spiritual. 
And that's why he says, the words that I'm saying to you, they're spiritual. These things are spiritual things. You're missing it. It has nothing to do with the physical bread. It has nothing to do with the manna. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It's spiritual. You're missing it, right? Right. Very quickly, at like 30 seconds. Anybody have a quick question or anything in 30 seconds? Now you only got 20 seconds. All right. All right, well, um, again, if you have questions or anything, please email me, text me, whatever you need. Um, Love to help and answer any way that we can, all right? God bless you. You're dismissed. We'll be back here in about 15 minutes.